multiverse will cue your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And we're recording on a new device thanks to supporter, my brother Will, who was kind enough to give me an early birthday present, which is this new snowball microphone that we have. So if our voices are clear as you're doing the dishes or driving or doing other things where there's a large amount of background noise, thank my brother. And consider donating to our Patreon, which after two weeks has zero supporters. You are legally allowed to run a business out of your home office, right, Luke? Shut up, boy! Oh, Simpsons quotes. Sometimes I'll leave them in when they aren't too long. I forced it, but it was worth it. No, no, that was a good one. That was an appropriate one. It did not take three minutes to go over. Fair. Yeah. I listened to the last one. You did cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Did you also go and see our image gallery for the episode? I didn't see the image gallery, no. Oh, well, we have image galleries for all of our episodes up on the website. All the more recent episodes. So if you'd like image galleries added for the older episodes, you know you can do? Go support our Patreon. Exactly. Patreon, because... Or just wait until Devin becomes jobless and becomes bored. That too, that too. Yeah, uh, but this week we are doing our Fantastic Four special because two days from now slash the previous weekend, by the the time this comes up, the new Fantastic Four movie will have been released. And you know what critics are already saying? Bad. Nothing. Like, Marvel said you can't go and do critical reviews of this until it comes out. Oh man, do you know what those type of movies are? Bad ones. Yeah. So that means they have no faith in the movie. My brother and I are going to go see it after we get off work tomorrow night. Nice, where at? Uh, the Indian Mound Mall. Oh. It's here in Heath. Okay, well, I may go see with the other podcast people. I was going to say, I thought you said you were seeing with someone else. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to, I'll see it with the other podcast people, but then I have uh, Shannon, who does uh, her own movie uh, podcast, who I've known probably about as long as you. Oh. Uh, middle friends. school? What? Since middle school? Uh, yeah. Okay. We used to be on internet forum, but she's doing her own uh, movie video series that I'll link to in the About section. And uh, she's going to be doing a fancy review because I didn't know that Devin got his minor almost in film studies. True. He just canceled Russian films, so I couldn't get the minor. Like there's Russian films, they were too busy making vodka and potato salad. Well, they had to make documentaries on how to make the vodka and potato salad. <laughs> on submarines. With babies riding downstairs. Yep. That's the... Oh, wait. And Dr. Zhivago. Yeah. The famous bit character who became synonymous with Russian film. And then what's it called? And then you got Ivan the Terrible. Mm-hmm. And then there was a crossover, Dr. Zhivago meets Ivan the Terrible. Yep. Why didn't we do this last week when we were doing our communist Superman episode? I don't know. Well, that was because we were so far away. You aren't finishing the song with me, so I got to keep... I'm singing this song. What song? You're so far away. Yeah, I don't know the lyrics to that. Okay. So we have two fantastic what ifs for the Fantastic Four. Both of them come from the first volume of what ifs, and the first one we're going to be covering is 
Number six, written by Roy Thomas, Christy Marks, Rick Hoberg, Don Glut, with art by Jim Craig. Actually, based off the writer of this issue, it is good that we're doing this one first. Oh, yeah. Uh, with art by Jim Craig and Rick Hoberg, inks by Sam Granger, color by Phil Raish, and letters by John Costanza and Joe Rosen. This takes place on Earth 7712, and it is, What if the Fantastic Four had different powers? But the first third of the damn issue has absolutely nothing to do with the different alternate timeline. Yeah, like, it starts off with the 616 Fantastic Four, the 616, if you don't know, is the main Marvel Universe, uh, just fighting generic bank robbers, and Johnny Storm wonders, what would it have been like if our powers were different? And it goes into explaining possibly why the Fantastic Four got their powers. I have no idea if this has been retconned again. But, uh, I've never heard it explained like that. Yeah, the team went into space to beat the Soviets to the moon. They were bombarded with cosmic rays, and they transformed based on their unconscious minds affecting the rays. Sue became invisible because she was always in the background. Hot-tempered Johnny Storm became the Human Torch. Ben Re Grimm was brutish, hard, and angry. And this is my favorite because it made no freaking sense. Reed Richards went to stretches to make metaphors work, and so he became the rubber Mr. Fantastic. Not so much better than what they actually did. Yeah, almost, <laughs> Reed Richards would go to almost any lengths in the pursuit of scientific truth, even to the stars. I'm like, are you kidding me? Talk That's... about a stretch. Yeah, it's like, everyone else's, yeah. Reed had very adaptable ethics. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> sorry, Sue, we're sending Franklin to the moon. Or, sorry, Sue, Spider-Man's going to come with us on this mission. <laughs> sorry, Sue, I tried to kill Atlantis and made Namor look like a war criminal with your brother. Yep. Oh, that first issue. That first episode. Well, that first issue and that first episode. Yep. Because that was What If number one. Yep. Which you should go back and listen to. But uh, we cut to this alternate universe where instead of getting rubbery and that sort of thing, Reed's brain starts to hurt. Johnny feels like his organs are changing. Finn is having back pain. And Sue is in the background. The uh, ship ends up landing on Earth and Ben ends up getting giant dragon wings from his back. Johnny gets the ability to turn into metal. Which or, is great. That first issue, or that first panel of him turning, mm -hmm. at first I was like, did he just turn into a statue? Is Johnny dead? Yeah. And, it's <laughs> and like, part of me was kind of hoping that that's actually where it ended oh, there, because yeah, it would have been hysterical. Did. Yeah. But he's like, oh yeah, so he is turned into metal. He's like, so it's like he is Colossus from the X-Men. And then he's like, no, no, I'm like a, I'm like a living robot. And it's like... How are you like a living robot? You look like Colossus. Well, it also said that his organs were turning cold, too. Yeah. So they but... turned into metal. Because I love that. Because at first it was just like, my organs are hurting. <laughs> oh, no. What's this metal? <laughs> Did you eat that jagged, sharp, crusty ale? <laughs> I make the Simpsons references, Devin. I do! <laughs> but yeah, when I just turned to Chrome, I was just like, oh, and there is the end of Johnny's storm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Susan Storm has Mr. Fantastic stretchy powers, and while Reed is still on the ship... It Which I'm not going to lie, I thought that was kind of lame. 
Yeah, yeah. It was like everyone else got at least some new ability except for Sue. Yeah. Uh, and uh, while Reed is still in the ship, it ends up exploding, and so he's left as a brain that has the power to control people. Which, okay. I liked it. It's uh, creepy. Uh, so Johnny Storm decides to call himself Mandroid. Uh, ben becomes Dragonfly. Because his wings look like that of a dragon of a fly, I'm like, no, not really, but okay. Uh, Sue becomes Rubber Girl. Wait, no, wait, she becomes Ultra Woman. <laughs> 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 and, uh, Reed is Big Brain. And because they love alliteration, like, literally, that's the reason they still become the Fantastic Four. Yep. And uh, so Reed, who always wanted a, who's always a big brain, is now literally the biggest brain. No, no Futurama reference there. I mean, I did. I, that's all I could actually think of when I was reading this issue. But uh, Ben, who loved to fly, can now fly by himself. Susan, who had a pliable personality, ends up stretching that metaphor along with her body. And Johnny, who loved mechanical things, became Colossus. I was going to say, his, his and Sue's, I didn't think, worked. Yeah. That, that, those two were a bit more of a stretch. Ha! Stretch jokes. And, uh, so he Each time it's just like, bam, look at them characterizing the thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. His worked for both instances. Well, yeah, because, like, he loves to fly. Yeah, he's a pilot. Like, Except for my favorites, every time they're like, oh, and they're about to crash land, and then Reed turned down the autopilot. So I'm like, so all I'm hearing is, Ben did not need to be there either of the two times. <laughs> so, well, in fact, he should be angry at Reed for screwing up his life. Well, and like in the original comic, because I was listening to Journey into Misery today, and they did their Stanley and Jack Kirby Fantastic Four episode, uh, they... Uh, Karen was mentioning how it was literally Reed saying, oh, I see, you're just a big wimp, that's why you don't want to fly this. Nice. Yeah. Classic Reed Richards. And then Ben was the one in the original comic who's like, you know what, we need to go become heroes with these powers. The guy who got turned into a rock monster. So. As he should. Uh, in the Grand Marvel tradition, Doctor Doom has summoned a demon to attack uh, the New York Natural History Museum where Blackbeard's treasure is? Because in this universe, Dr. Doom has a fetish for pirate things and has to have all of Blackbeard treasure. What's another name for pirate treasure? Booty! Beastie Boys. Oh. Uh, yeah, so the Fantastic Four end up uh, fighting against them and... Uh, they defeat the demon, and Doom is super depressed because he has to wait another year until the conditions are right for summoning another demon time. Oh, wait, can I figure out my last favorite thing? Yes! When they're getting their powers, they have the greatest thing of from Pam from Archer's uh, phrase of phrasing. It is now that the threesome finally realizes. It's like, oh... You can cut that out. I don't care. Okay. Uh, Continue. Doom, Doom is like, oh, who, uh, who, who stopped my demon and the two other thugs that I hired to try and steal this? To my magical snow globe. Yeah. And so he starts zooming in and we get flashes of their adventures with uh, Miracle Man, the Scrolls, Namor, Mole Man, 
and he figure or he notices that Reed is a brain, and uh, he's like, "Oh, Richards, I hate that guy." What a dick! And he already had a Reed Richards action figure made because he pops it off. And yeah, like, I did love that yeah. too. <laughs> I. Uh, Dude's creepy in this universe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm also confused why... Well, did Doom try doing this in the original 616 universe? And if you've got Doombots, why not send like 50 Doombots to go and try and steal the Blackbeard gym? Why, like, summon a demon? Who knows? Well, because it makes Doom feel big, like a big man. Maybe it was one of those things where he, like, had that... Like the right ingredients, and they were about to go bad, and so he's like, you know what? Might as well send that demon. Use up those resources, otherwise they go bad. America's already really bad about like growing out good food in the landfills. Yeah. Doom doing his part for the earth. It's true. And so, as we learned in Secret Wars. Yep. So Doom plans to use Reed to power his machine to steal Blackbeard's treasure. And uh, so we get some other moments to see what it's like uh, in this universe. Ben is actually the ever-loving blue-eyed uh, idol of millions, so he's being swarmed by fans. Johnny reveals his empathic machine powers as he starts blasting Grand Punk Railroad uh, to mess with kids who are being jerks by hitting them with the music at full blast. Yeah. It's like, I had to keep looking and it's like, is he blasting Grand Punk Railroad? And also, where can I get their first CD? Because that sounds amazing. It's true. And then Sea Storm becomes a giant, like, top. And practically abducts kids because she can't have her own kids with Reed. Yep. And uh, Doom appears in the Baxter building where Reed, Big Brain, uh, is mentally, like, controlling the entire building. Like, he says that the entire building is his own body. And Doom was like, what if you had another body? For boning! And uh, he shows that uh, Ben and Sue are going on a date, trying to get some alone time from Johnny. And Reed is like, uh, maybe I'll work with you. And Doom's like, okay, get into my plane. We're going to Latveria. And Doom's also like, how should I use your body? Ah, booze money. And, uh, More Futurama references. <laughs> Johnny comes in and tries to save Reed because, hey, there's a weird guy in a metal costume here, and there's only enough room for one metal person on the Fantastic Four. It's true. But then Kazap! Johnny's yeah. down. And as soon as he's gotten Reed into his brain-capturing machine, Dr. Doom reveals that he is Dr. Victor Von Doom! And Reed's like, oh, I remember you, you jerk. And so uh, Sue and Ben end up finding Johnny, who had been knocked out, and they discuss the Doom origin story and then head over to Latveria. Every time that we keep seeing Doom with the brain, I literally just kept waiting for him to kick it. That would have been amazing. Uh, like, fuck you, Richards. Punt. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, Doom's machine is going to end up destroying Reed, uh, Reed's personality. That way Doom can get Blackbeard's treasure. And so the rest of the Fantastic Four show up and split up while going through Doom's castle, which does not make a lot of sense. I guess it's 
we're going to split up so we can find Reed faster, but they all end up in the exact same place, except they have to go through traps. So, like, Sue has to go through a Swiss cheese floor type deal. Uh, ben has to do the angel special, which is dodging stuff while in the air. And Johnny is stuck to a magnetic floor, about to get compressed. And then he realizes he has magnet, pow magnet power, so he reverses the polarity. Because Johnny. Well, it's great that it's what we didn't see, which is the universe is one right over to it. Where they went into different hallways and all of them died. <laughs> My robotic powers don't let me get through this floor any better. Why am I getting stabbed with lots of sharp things? <laughs> Why am I getting crushed? My dragon wings give me no strength. <laughs> and, uh,. Meanwhile, Reed has been uh, saving up a mental blast by pretty much pressing the A button over and over again. Oh, totally. And uh, he hits Doom with it, which stuns him enough for the other Fantastic Four members to show up. Uh, Doom zaps Ben when he tries to save Reed. Uh, Johnny goes to fight Doom again, and Johnny is able to like cripple one of his arms. But then Doom zaps him again because he's a robot. And then he slaps Sue. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, I don't want to hit a woman, but got to do what I got to do. Yeah. And this pisses off Reed, so he sends out a stronger mental blast. And Doom is like, no, Doom cannot lose. So he starts inching towards the big red button, fighting Reed's mind control. And an explosion goes off when we find out that Reed actually switched minds with Doom, so his big brain is now in Reed's body. Or his... Big Brain is now in Doom's body. So Reed survived. They become the new Fantastic Four. And the Watcher's like, well, I'm not going to tell you if Reed and Sue hook up. Did you? Probably. And it's... Some of the powers were cool, but some of them didn't make sense. I just allowed them didn't do enough. Hmm? Like, they just didn't do enough with them. Yeah. Like Mandroid. I mean, Mandroid has some cool powers. Well, like, Mandroid had the most powers, but, like, Sue really didn't do much with hers. Yeah, and she was really just Mr. Fantastic, so yeah. we already know what he, he can do. Well, what power would you have rather seen Sue with? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Just something else. Yeah. It was a fun story. It, it did feel a bit long at times. But... It felt very long at times. Which is great, seeing as how a third of the story wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, up next, we have uh, What If Volume 1, Number 11, which was in, uh, published in 1978. And it is What If Fantastic Four were the original Marvel bullpen, which was written, illustrated, and edited by Jack the King Kirby, inked and lettered by Mike Royer and Bill Ray, colored by Carl Gafford, and it was also edited by Roy Thomas. And this takes place on Earth 1228. And for those of you who don't know, Jack Kirby was the guy who co-created like pretty much all the Marvel classic characters except for Spider-Man. Basically, when you think of the characters, it's the classic team-up of Kirby and Stanley. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much without the exception, you have Doctor Strange and Stanley. Mm -hmm. Or sorry, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. Yeah. 
And there came a time where Jack Kirby was really getting pissed off because he had been promised, yeah, you're going to be getting royalties for a lot of these characters that you made. New management came in and said, who the hell are you? Stan Lee makes all the comics, doesn't he? And Kirby was like, no, that's not the deal. And so Jack Kirby went off to DC where he invented the New Gods, which like really revolutionized the way that storytelling works where it was this like interconnected set of series where elements would really flow in between like they were in Marvel, but in a more full way. And it's like this massive piece on war and mythology. And if you've not read The New Gods, uh, uh, there will definitely be an episode on that. Yeah. Um, and then he also did Commandy, OMAC, The One Man Army Corps, and Etrigan and like so many other classic things and so the first book that he came back with after leaving Marvel because he felt he was betrayed by them and people at the company was this about the original Marvel bullpen becoming the Fantastic Four yeah it's always interesting like hearing like all the different talks about like what actually went down with the whole rights issues and such yeah, it's such a weird thing because... It's changed so much over the years. Yeah, it's... Originally, Kirby was very much the freelancer and, like, the literal staff was just uh, Stan Lee, Saul Brodsky, and Flo Steinberg who show up in this comic and Jack was just a freelancer. He was not an actual employee of Marvel. He didn't really have the benefits that anyone else did. Yeah. And one of those recent things I've like read about Stanley talking about, he said that there was a deal made with Jack Kirby to do the same thing, but it was going to be he'd have to work exclusively at Marvel and that Jack didn't want that. Which is fair, mm -hmm. but apparently he was supposed to get the same deal that Stan was getting, but he had to work permanently at Marvel. Yeah. Would be rough because, I mean, he was pretty much to it telling other people's stories at the time. Yeah. And yeah. And then his kids went suing just a couple years ago. Well, they've been fighting to get it really recognized for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole Kirby and uh, Marvel disputes are something that is not known by the majority of. Well, it's known by a majority of comic fans, I think, at this yeah. point. But it's I don't know. That, it became pretty prominent right before it ended. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I, I always have. It's, I always hate when children sue people for things because I always have very mixed feelings on it. For them, it's like if you're trying to get your dad's just like recognized as like a creator, mm -hmm. that's fine. But if you're trying to get for money, it's just like you didn't do anything. But at the same your time... Your father did. But at the same time... There's money that Jack Kirby didn't get paid. He had original artwork that was pretty much given away as gifts to people that he was never compensated for. Like, I think he only got maybe 20% of the pages that he had drawn for Marvel. And he drew thousands of pages. Yes. And he should have been entitled to all that money. Yeah. And... Like, but it's more of you see it with a lot of different types of cases where it's the it, kids come up being like, give it, us money now, please. It really depends on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah. The Kirby family, I definitely am in support of them trying to get money. 
And if you haven't heard about it, the Hero Initiative is a foundation that yeah. helps to pay to support comic writers and artists because most of them don't have health insurance. So if anything bad ever happens to them, they are screwed over. It also helps with legal fees and... Usually, if you're going to donate money to them, they will hook you up with some really nice stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but back to the comic. What if the Marvel bullpen uh, were the Fantastic Four? And we start off with the this alternate Fantastic Four fighting a techno-caveman, but it isn't the classic Fantastic Four. Stan Lee is Mr. Fantastic. Sol Brodsky, who is the Vice President of Marvel, is the Human Torch. Jack Kirby is The Thing, and Flo Steinberg, who was the secretary, is The Invisible Woman. And, and Dwight Eisenhower is The Watcher. <laughs> uh, Sol, or Sol figures out that the techno-caveman is uh, Dr. Moreau, who was a uh, person who they had come to this island to look for. Stan Lee makes a reference to Friends of Old Marvel, and as they're in the lab trying to figure out how... Uh, he became a strange techno-caveman. Flo finds a cosmic ray box, and they quickly destroy it before it transforms them again, and we find out that they, like Dr. Moreau, had been transformed by this box left by the S-Men. Dun-dun-dun. And uh, we cut back to the 1960s, where Stan Lee and uh, Jack Kir uh, Kirby are talking about a group of fans who wanted to use their comics as a basis for an experiment. Flo comes in with a box, and they open it up and are bombarded uh, by a bunch of cosmic rays until Jack Kirby destroys it with a shoe. Which is great, because you get dramatic panels of Jack Kirby holding a shoe, and then Jack Smashing Kirby. things? Oh, yes. yeah. Well, and my uh, favorite, too, is also, every time I just kept saying the word Flo, and even though you could see her drawing in every single panel, all I can just think of in my head is from, yeah... Yeah, the commercial lady. Yeah, uh, that name. Like, yes, Flo. And, uh... They Tell me how I can save money. <laughs> and they start transforming. Sol Brodsky accidentally burns a bunch of pages and tries to fly out the window until Stan saves him because he suddenly stops flying. Uh, they stop to... Er, they start to panic and they notice the uh, note that uh, Flo had previously read... It's like, oh, this is a really weird note. I wonder what it means. Let's go open this box. And the note had said, greetings. Open this box and live the ultimate fantasy. The Signed, the S people. Did she ever say that before? She never actually read the note out loud, though. Yeah, she hadn't read it out loud. They And no one else had looked at it until after. And so yeah. it's like, what would you expect to be in this box? Is there like a bunch of cocaine? A bunch of money? Well, they're hoping for cigars. Yeah. And, uh, since and based were, off of pretty much every picture of Jack Kirby for the rest of the issue, he really wants those damn cigars. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, since they were already publishing the Fantastic Four comic at the time, they're able to channel their actual adventures into bigger success. Because it's like, oh, well, Reed Richards wouldn't just stretch this way. He'd do, like, this super move. And it's like, why not make a Fantastic Four actually about yourselves? But they're apparently keeping it a secret identity. Yeah. We have to go away on business meeting. Yes. And Stan Lee somehow develops the ability to make amazing technology like Reed Richards. And uh, 
So Marvel keeps getting bigger, even though the team is frequently disappearing. And they have adventures. Like, it makes the point of drawing out that all of the Fantastic Four's enemies also exist in this universe. Yeah. So it's like, who would their, who would their Doctor Doom be? Would it be like a Marv Wolfman or... It could be. Uh, yeah, I, I'd love to see some more about this. And uh, at the time, Jack Kirby is still able to transfer, transform back into his human form like the thing was. This is what Stanley should be doing instead of just making random new series. He should just make this an ongoing. I would read it. Yep. And uh, we learned that the S people are actually space aliens, which is the main thing that they've been able to discern from their adventures. And uh, so we cut back to uh, the current time, and we find out that the Fantastic Four villains, like I said, have real-life counterparts, which raises questions. And as they head down to the ocean, Namor opens fire at them so he can interrogate them, because he also got a weird cosmic fox, which he did not crush before until they showed up. And I love how he refers to Stan Lee as Smiling Stan Lee, Imperious Rex! I also love that he's wearing his fantastic clothing from the first issue of What If. Yeah. With that crazy crown and the very flo- and the flowing cape. That cape and crown should exist in all universes. I agree. And so the Fantastic Four are forced to fight Namor to their life. And he wears a shirt now. That's, that's why female readership dropped for so long. Exactly. And, uh... So Namor starts to fight with the Fantastic Four until they're like, no, stop listening, stop fighting. And then Namor sort of hits on Flo. Flo sort of hits on him. Actually, Flo starts hitting on yeah. him first. <laughs> and they discover that one of the S-Men is in Namor's throne room as a guard who suddenly knocks them all out and reveals that he is a scroll. So that's what the S-Men means. And his plan is part of a way to subjugate the world. Uh, the scroll tries to escape. Jack and Amor destroy the ship. And that causes all of the other boxes that would transform everyone else on Earth, I guess, to uh, blow up. And that ends the story with the Fantastic Four having saved the day. And By murdering all the scrolls. <laughs> I have no idea what the scrolls' plan here was. Like, turn them all into superpower, super beings. I couldn't tell either. Was it sort of like the uh, Ultimate uh, Fantastic Four, where like everyone got superpowers but then like became poisoned except for the thing? Maybe. Like I don't know. I couldn't tell either. Yeah. Only because Namor mentions the pro- the questions like you made the comments like you guys survived, but your other but the. Next tech subjects might not have been so lucky. Yeah, I guess they but may have turned, the, it, they the may have turned time, into techno cavemen. But at the same time, it's like, why don't you just if you're like trying to kill us? I'm like, why don't you just shoot us with your guns? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, originally, the uh, lineup for this comic was going to be Stanley, Jack Kirby, Marie Severin, and Roy Thomas as the Four people on the team. And when Jack Kirby came back, Roy Thomas was like, okay, I was going to write this, but Jack, you get to write this, you get to draw this, make it amazing. And because, like, so many members of the Marvel bullpen are sort of forgotten, I didn't want to go over some of the members. 
Uh, Marie Severin was a comic artist who was uh, Marvel's like main head colorist, and she worked on everything from the original Spider-Woman design to creating Dr. Bong, and she was inducted into the Eisner Hall of Fame in 2001. Lois Steinberg, who was the actual Invisible Woman in the story, was the original Marvel secretary when it was still part of magazine management, and was one of the original three bullpen members. Uh, she was known as the Fabulous Flow, and she also started working on the underground comic scene, and when she quit in 1968, uh, she eventually published Big Apple Comics, which linked together the underground and independent comics movement. And she returned in 1990 to work as a proofreader. And in the uh, Thor, or in the Ultimate Fantastic Four universe that we mentioned, where uh, Thor is president and everyone has like superpowers, she shows up as the secretary to the president. And that was an Ultimate Fantastic Four number 28. And uh, ah, Roy Thomas. Uh, he did runs on X-Men, Avengers, Ghost Rider, Iron Fist, Invaders, and DC's All-Star Squadron. And he was pretty much chosen as Stanley's successor. He's like one of the classic Marvel people. Yep. And then Sol Brodsky was the vice president of Marvel. Uh, he was described by Stanley as Stan's right-hand man. And he did a lot of work that was never really credited. Like he co-designed the Amazing Spider-Man logo with Artie Simic. Uh, he inked some of the original Fantastic Four pages. He founded Cracked as a editor, and he did a lot of work that was not credited to him. Uh, Stan kept hiring him, and uh, Soul also founded Skywall Productions, which did mostly horror anthologies. And besides Jack Kirby, he is the one person who showed up in this comic who has died, unfortunately, and he died in 1984. So now you know a bit more about uh, Marvel history. Yep. Always good. Yep. And now we're going to... But let's, let's whip out first the best Stan Lee fun fact that I learned from his documentary, which is Stan Lee serving in World War II, where he worked as like one of the writers for like the different like war propaganda films. But more importantly, it was you had him, you had, I'm blanking on his name now, it's the guy who wrote It's a Wonderful Life. He did it, and um, Dr. Seuss was in his team, was in the group too. Huh. So yeah. Well, you know what Jack Stan Kirby did. Stan Lee served in World War Two. You know what Dr. Jack Seuss. Kirby did in the damn war? What? He killed Nazis. Well, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, and he made maps. Well, he to be fair, Jack Kirby's also was a big guy, and of course he killed some damn Nazis. Jack Kirby killed Nazis after the war. It's pretty good. Well, he beat up. People who weren't too keen on Jewish people. Yeah. Because Jack Kirby was a badass. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I love Stanley. He's a skinny man. Yep. He's not going to go around killing Nazis. No, he would not. He's got to team up with Dr. Seuss. That should have been the real Marvel team up. Sure. Uh, the yeah. Cat in the Hat and Spider-Man team up to take on... The Grinch. Do you like a sock in your face? How about a beak with a Crackadoom mace? Let's get to trying this buddy and I go flip flip. Okay, so we have two universes to add. First, we have Earth 7712, 
which is the what if Fantastic Four had other powers, which I, it's it wasn't my favorite story out of the two. I think it had some cool stuff in it. No, it had some fun stuff. Which actually, we didn't even mention the fact, too, the other thing that bothered me a little bit about that one, too, mm-hmm. was that it seemed like for half a second, it was like, oh, but now Sue Storm has become even more the Jean Grey of the non-X-Men universe, because now the thing's all into her. Because there was basically that moment where Ben Grimm basically gives Johnny five bucks to go see a movie. Did <laughs> you sprint to an annual clip show? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's uh, put it over our dividing line, which is actually a really divisive line because we have run a lot of really bad stories. We have. Our dividing line is number 40, which is Really Evil Professor X, which it's definitely better than Really Evil Professor X. X. So then we'll move it up to the top quarter. But in the end, it wasn't really Professor X a great story because Magnus died. Uh, So our... Uh, top quarter dividing line is Callisto, Mistress of Mysticism. A little weaker than that. I, I liked it more than Callisto, Mistress of Mysticism. I thought it had some cool aesthetics, and while it took a while to actually explain what Mandroid was... Uh, it was cool. Yeah. Like, Callisto, I don't think we got necessarily enough. I'm not sure we didn't get enough. And, I mean, Doom was a lot better than uh, winning a Sorcerer Supreme in this story. Oh, what? Well, right above uh, Callisto, Mistress of Mysticism is what if Doom were Sorcerer Supreme? You think this is better than Doom, Sorcerer Supreme? Yeah. See, I would not. Doom summoned a demon to rob a museum. Yeah? Okay, I'll, uh, I'll compromise and put this at number 20 above Callisto. Uh, yeah. So that is Earth seven seven one two. Doom did not ever kick Brain Richards, so bam, instant points taken away. Doom Sorcerer Supreme would have kicked Brain Richards. So our new number twenty is Earth seven seven one two. Alternate Fantastic Four powers. And he would have used his magic to make a field goal. Uh, our other story is Earth one two two eight is Marvel Bullpen Fantastic Four and this one I liked it more in some ways and less in others uh, but we both liked it more than Alternate Fantastic Four correct? Yes. So is it better or worse than Old Man Logan? No it's worse. Yeah. Uh, better or worse than Justice League The Nail and Another Nail? Worse. Uh, better or worse than Punisher? No, it's not better than Punisher was a stern fatherly type. Nothing is better than Punisher's stern fatherly type. Sixteen things are better than Punisher was a In my heart, they're not. <laughs> uh, I say we put this above New Mex Homeworld. Yeah. So, it will be our new number 18. Earth. One, one. Earth. Earth, one, two, two. Earth 1228. Original bullpen is Fantastic Four. Now, uh, now that we've discussed that, what alternate powers would you have loved to have seen Johnny and Sue get? Well, I was fine with what Johnny got. 
Well, I thought you said it was a bit of a weird thing. It was weird. But I was fine with it. Yeah. So it's really Sue the only person that we have a problem with. It was basically with. a Sue, but just because, I mean... No, I thought that what's it called? I thought the explanation for why Johnny uh, was mad because was he loved stupid. machines. Yeah, it's just like that, that's. Well, at least, at least, in, for me, with Johnny Storm, was like based off of his personality, it's like his love of machines would be nowhere near high enough to make that his power. Like maybe if he could transform into a car. Yeah. Yeah. Or Johnny Storm Transformer. <laughs> Well, we don't know if Mandroid can't do that or not. It's true. So what would be a better power set for Sue Storm? Because as uh, Kieran had said from a joke that he read on uh, Twitter, Sue Storm's powers were turning invisible and creating a glass ceiling. But she can break through it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, it's like the problem is that her other main characterization was she's a woman. Yeah. So, I mean, we've sort of seen her change over the years where she's more of a self-assured leader. She's a compassionate person. So should she have, like, the powers of Eros? Star Fox? Yeah. That'd be weird. Oh, God. Think how horrible it would be dealing with Namor. Well, it's a cut. I mean, in a way, doesn't Jessica Drew basically have those powers? Yeah, because she can emphasize with pheromones. Yeah, she's got the pheromone powers too. Mm-hmm. And zap. Yeah, but then it would be her literal power is being a girl and having people attracted to her. I mean... She doesn't really have that problem anyway. Everyone seems attracted to her all the time. Yeah, but I mean, it would just be reinforcing that stereotype. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Is there some better power that we could have... Maybe she can become even more underaged. Yeah. Until she's 12. Or until Matt Fraction gets on and is like, no, this is creepy. John Byrne is a creep. We're, we're rough counting this. Yeah. Thank you, Matt Fraction. I didn't. During, f- during uh, John Byrne's run when he took over, he well, said... I didn't read John Byrne's run. What? I didn't ever read John Byrne's yeah. run. Yeah. But when he did it, he made it so, like, uh, Sue was eight when she met Reed, who was, like, ten years older, and she fell in love with him then, and then waited until she was old enough, and so there was, like, a ten-year age gap between the two of them. And Matt Fraction was like, no. For me, there's no problem with the ten-year age gap, as long as they wouldn't do it, the met at the age of eight. Yeah, but they... they if did. Reed is, like, in his mid-30s, and she's, like, in her mid to late 20s, there's nothing really wrong with that. Yeah, but... Burn the whole making it, it eight, eight... Yeah, eight, Burn yeah, made it explicit, weird. and so, like, Fraction aged them up, so she was, like, 18, and he was, like, 18, I think. Or slightly younger, because he went to college early. I mean, slightly older? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah weird but then they took that aspect of it and put it into the fantastic movie that was fantastic Four, the best one that has been made so far the roger corman one. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that movie was so damn weird but i still argue it's easily the no, best no, of the three that I, have come out so far i agree you had mole man you had dr doom who actually acted like dr doom mm-hmm. roughly and you had 
laughable graphics. Yeah, it was also 1990s, and the movie was made for $2 million, so I'm also willing to let it slide. Yeah. Thank you, Roger Corman, for a good Fantastic Four movie. Yes. Okay, so then... Yeah, it's hard to think of a better alternate power for Sue Storm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, other... I mean, I think her force field thing is good. Yeah. I do enjoy that power. And it works well with their team dynamic. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're getting shot at, because really the only person who can actually get shot is Johnny. <laughs> or Ben. Yeah, let's get the rocket kind of bounce. Well, and then, like, when Reed was getting shot, he's like, oh, these bullets are just going to bounce off of me. Yeah. But he had to decide to do that first. I like that. Yeah. But then if you shoot at Susie, then Ben will kill you. <laughs> yep. Did he kill that man? I feel like he did. No, I think she stopped him. He punched him hard. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. Ben's well, a bad man. If you have better ideas for what Susan Storm's alternate powers could be, feel free to write into us at MultiversalQ on the Twitter at multi, er, MultiversalQ at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Tumblr, iTunes, where we need reviews. So feel free to give us a review, and we'll read it out on the podcast. Even if it's bad. Yeah. Do you hate us and want us to know? You can also put it there, too. Oh, we got one from Devin. <laughs> Warner616. Eat a dick, Luke. Devin should be king of podcasts. Simpsons reference. Simpsons reference. <laughs> one star. <laughs> That's why you're going to the gulags of Minnesota. Yep. Uh, yeah. Where there'll be Simpsons references all the time. And the Mall of America with our Nickelodeon theme park. Do you get to have Nickelodeon theme park? No. Because Six Flags turned it into uh, another Snoopy and Peanuts theme park. You mean Kings Island? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but Six Flags took over it. I didn't. Yeah. Cedar Point took it over. Isn't Cedar Point owned by Six Flags? Nope. Oh. Whatever! Please, I know all about the amusement park. That's the knowledge I have. Uh, you can prove Devin that he doesn't know anything about amusement parks by messaging him on Twitter at FredoFett, F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And you can, like, prove that Luke's wrong about everything on Twitter at Coltrek, K-O-L-T-R-E-G. Aw, thank you, man. Uh, nice. Hashtag eat a dick. <laughs> Uh, later on this week, we're going to be doing our Secret Wars, whoa, halfway there, whoa, whoa, living on a prayer, uh, Secret Wars catch-up and guide if you haven't been reading, or if you have been reading, but you haven't been buying a lot of books, because it's going to go on, like, three months longer than expected. Yep. Thanks, Asad Rubik. And, uh... Pretty much. Yeah. Next week, we're going to be tackling... Space Punisher!